Who the fuck are you? Welcome back to the Calling It Rant. I'm Sly. And I'm... It's been a long time in between drinks. Spook. Enjoy lockdown? Fuck off. Enjoy our premiere? Who? We're not premiers. <laughs> our premiere. No. premiere. No. There's one thing I would enjoy though. Ah, yeah, we're not talking about political assassination. So. Yes. Been a long time since we've talked about Collingwood. Is it? And there's been a we lot... We talked about him on the couch 10 minutes ago. That's a good point, but we didn't not, film that. Not that anything happened. No. Jordan Ngoi. Was he? Has he done something wrong? Has he done something wrong? I don't know. <laughs> What's he done this week? So, he initially, it was reported he improperly touched a woman. I don't know if he, if he improperly can touch a woman, or it's just... I don't know what that thing... He got in the fight. Did he? He... Um, was part of the conspiracy to bring down 9-11. He shot JFK and... Is this his he third... Hit is this his third fight that he's been in trouble for? Oh, I don't know. I've stopped counting. I don't he, know that many fingers. He broke his thumb... Playing with his dog. Playing with the dog. Playing with the dog. Damn Wasn't dog. there another punch on somewhere? It was one where he ran away, I think, from Sony turned... I don't know. And, what? And there's this one. How many, how many punches have you ever seen him throw on the football ground? I saw him throw that in the grand final. Uh, what should be done with him? Sack him! Did the club respond too early? Did they overreact by standing him down? They responded too late. They should have responded three days before this incident happened. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have had him over in New York. But did they overreact or did they respond prematurely without waiting for the facts? I think their response was reasonably measured. Don't you? I am part of a message group with you and Jeff Brown and I said... <laughs> <laughs> the, he didn't say much though no he had nothing to say on the subject no but the one thing I did point out is well, he has no points as much as people might criticise the club or whatever it's a purely cosmetic punishment being stood down in October <laughs> four or five months before the season begins is not much of a punishment being stood down at Collingwood's a reward so I understood why the club did it with all the priors. Well, they had to because the days and them's would have been upset, wouldn't they? Everyone would have been upset. So because the because how much um, time did it take before the incident happened, and he was deemed guilty on Twitter. Well, Twitter was someone would have been tweeting at the time, wouldn't they? Before it was probably the guy that took the punch would have been tweeting it's guilty. Okay, let's get his Twitter for a second because I. Oh, let's go. I've got my phone somewhere. We're talking about that a little bit earlier. He was condemned, hung, courted, sacked, deregistered. Play your last game. And that was the first 30 seconds. Yeah, that was, that was. And I noticed a lot of the people who were saying this are generally people who blindly followed the club. So I actually found it funny that they were the arbiters of the path the club should take, even though we've been in arguments with prior saying this is not the right way we're going and they've defended the club, but now they're just going, nah, let's just cut in. How do you feel about that frontier justice? Well, first off, I want to just say quite clearly that this is Mark Corder's fault. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm going to get onto that later. Oh, right. sorry. Am I jumping the gun? What was the question again? How do you feel about the frontier justice that a lot of people exercised on social media and football forums? That's just shit at the best of times. And even, even like, an esteemed journalist like Kane Corns who said it was embarrassing... 
He was talking about training to go. He was talking about training really hard, and now he's... He'd he's, know all about embarrassing, wouldn't he? I mean, because apparently, when you train really hard, you can have no social life. You can never go out. It's just training 24-7. Yes. How, how deep are we getting into this? Have you got points you want to make before I give an opinion? No, nah, go for it. Um, look, I think overall, um, the optics of the whole situation doesn't still ring um, as a good look despite the fact that the, the stories have, have changed and everything. The fact that um, rapidly you saw the the piss dancing, um, you don't really associate the fact that you saw X amount of videos and the club was building up how much of, uh, of a wonder this um, PR exercise um, uh, episode over in the States was looking. Then to go to that, I wouldn't imagine that's part of anybody's fitness regime. However, though, I'm totally in agreement that these people deserve a life away from from football. Now, this isn't, I don't think it's officially part of the training regime. It's part of this monster drinks promotion or something. Clearly, they were doing something over there to, to do with that. So you could almost argue that it's not, you know, really part of the club's fitness campaign or whatever it is. Anyone's, they're not back at training or anything yet, are they? They are now. And are he, they? He's been stood down, but he's still training individually and he was training because he was doing his own thing. Um, so go on, if you had stuff to do. No, no, it's just really bad. I think the optics still is the one thing that just doesn't sit comfortably with me at the moment. Yeah, the optics are grief. The one thing that annoyed me was no one waited for the fucking story. No one waited well, to get the clarification. So. And it's and the, it was interesting because it's like, and I did read people saying this, and I knew this is going to happen. It's like if the sexual allegations dropped, are they dropped because they didn't happen, or they dropped because there's not enough evidence, or they dropped because it's a footballer and a famous person, and he's going to get away with it, and the pressure's been applied, so they've been dropped, and all that sort of shit. Um, so there's always going to be that murkiness I mean, around conversely, it. Conversely, though, you wouldn't think anyone over there would know who he was. So the, how would you tie in the, the sexual allegation thing, other than the fact that then it, no it was suggested that it happened? But no. You, would, you wouldn't have time to look him up on Wiki and say, well, you almost got to, went to jail for touching up somebody. I'll use that in my argument to the police when I can make well, I like saying, I mean, that, that, It seems incredibly unlikely. It was improperly touching someone. It's like, well, I don't think you should be touching anyone. <laughs> so I don't know why you got to throw the, justific- oh, the, the uh, qualification in there. Uh, but yeah, I don't like the way sort of everyone just hung him out straight away. It was like a thought, that's a really yeah, shit look. It's just par for the course though these days. It is, but it's, it, that's what you, I, you're I guilty hate in, that in general. Guilty until proven innocent. Yes. And um, we had a friend in our group with Jeff Brown and Gary who immediately Gary had inside information going this is not the way it's played out um, and he's not the guilty party here he's come to the defense Gary's not guilty I don't I, think he was no Gary's never guilty he's come to the defense of his friend which is now what the story is playing out now curiously if he's come if he's not guilty of initiating anything if he's come to the defense of his friend should he still be punished he threw a punch so you should be punished. Well, How do you handle that? Like, if, if someone punched you, I would feel obligated to but, buy that person a drink. But, but after that, I would probably have to wrestle them away from you. It's pushing and shoving, which is obviously, as blokes, that gets your ire up, and it, it's inevitable that there's going to be a punch thrown at some point. Um, I don't think that's justification enough, though, these days. We're all educated well enough to know that it's a, it's a stupid thing to do. The thing that I can't understand in point like that, so is if he's 
hired a, a roped off area, VIP area. We we know all about these things. Yeah. Wherever we go, there's um there's well, ropes. We had one at cricketers for a while. Yeah, no, one well, for a while it was a matter of hours. That was it's a while, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but generally, that the, if you're at a sort of you know, roped off celebrity area, for argument's sake, there's got to be one or two security guards that are sort of policing that area and not letting people in and out. If there's that sort of level of um, uh, invasion and and pushing and shoving, where the fuck were the bouncers? Why wouldn't you logically just go, look, mate, seriously, I'm not going to punch you, but I'm going to go over there and fucking essentially well, grab this bloke and say, him, get him out. It's not, it's not to defend a goey, but the story is a starting point that his friend was... Sorry, the stories are saying that the two people who were attacked were the ones who were the instigators, and then the friend was the one who jumped in, and then the goeys jumped in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know, and this goes back to the original point. No, we don't actually know. So we're all speculating... What Twitter? They're not speculating. They're condemning. Oh, sorry. So what would you do with him? What would I have done? No, what would you do with him now from this point on? What would you do with the guy? So he's going to be guilty of some form of assault, whether it's he's the... Well, he's at the mercy of the, the American court system. So if it gets thrown out or he's fine or whatever and he comes back to Australia, he starts fucking training and training harder than ever and he fucking plays out the year. So you have no problems keeping no. him as an active... So that's even if he started the fight? In my job, if I punch somebody outside of work, I wouldn't expect to fucking lose my job unless I punch someone at work. But, you know, there's got to be... I don't think you, you, your livelihood should be influenced by a stupid decision. Probably well, he's, got, he's got prize, that's the big problem. Well, there's that, and, and my stuff is fairly broad at the same time. But I don't think in this particular instance, unless he's absolutely found guilty, that they should act any other way than you get back here and start fucking training. Yeah, look, um, unless... All right, so the story from what what it began as has come back to being like, all right, initially it was like you're the guilty party, you initiated this, you um, improperly touched somebody to the sexual allegations now off the table and you def- jumped in to defend your friend. That's what the story sort of come back down to. If that's what we're dealing with, then yeah, I think it should be... Yeah, I don't think it should be... Um, you registered taken off the list or anything like that um and if they're thinking about moving him on if like they got in their heads that well that's it we've had enough of this shit i would still say well okay you know keep him on the list and trade him at the end of the year because then at least you get something back even if it's a massively diminished return if you were to just cut him now and then he's for a year going to do nothing and then throw himself in the draft and then whoever picks him up picks him up next year that's just a massive waste but um going on what we know yeah i'd be saying mate you owe us a fucking lot. Oh, absolutely. I think he owes a lot coming into this incident. I think a lot of players in that list owe us a lot, not because of uh, um, indiscretions, but just because of return. I mean, I don't want to single people out, but there's players like Still Side Bottom that haven't barely fired a shot in the last three years. Maybe you should throw a punch at someone. <laughs> you know, um, Hoskin Elliott's been up and down. So there are players there who should be looking at just... Moving forward now, going, I really got to produce. At this point, you've really got to trust in, in in what the club deems to be its better judgment in this area. Because either the playing list is going to be accepting of him or they're going to be, I've had enough as well. well and if they've had enough, that'll be clearly made evident about the way he's Well, allegedly, some of the playing list have talked to the club about how quickly they're hanging out to dry. So they're on his side. I did see, I can't remember who it was, but I did see like straight after it happened, Maynard, Howe and Petrarca all reached out to him and said, we're here for you, mate. 
And I saw them then get condemned on Twitter for like, oh, well, you're standing up for this guy. And that's again, again, like, oh, so he's condemned as guilty immediately. You don't want to actually hear the story. There's no trial or anything like that. Um, you know, and the thing is you can reserve judgment and then take the same action later, but maybe get all the information. I mean, you have to be an idiot to be making decisions without being informed. Speaking of which, it seems that the board's now going to be hybridized combination of the old and Jeff Brown and some other members. Aren't we supposed to just like break into the fact that we endorse the Jeff Brown ticket and his friends? That seems to be the narrative out there, isn't it? We, yeah. do, you, what, do you know why they're endorsing him? Has he released something? Have I missed something in the last Jeff couple Brown of days? is still sitting well, Actually, no, this is more than Jeff Brown now. This is him and his cohorts. What have they released? Why am I voting for them in a couple of weeks' time? I like, Let's get the other stuff out of the way first. Peter Murphy is not going to ah, sorry. stand for re-election, which actually really pisses me off. He's the one guy who should be totally on that board given his CV since he's been at the club. And he's the one going. And the fact that he's showing the selflessness to go, well, I'll go. So this can all happen peacefully. He speaks to me like, that's the guy you want. Not the guy who's coming in going, I must be president or nothing or I'll burn the whole fucking club down. All fucking seven of you will die to make me president. Jeez, there's no ego there, is there? Um, That's the most I've heard from him. Well, that's, you know, and I've channeled him. The one guy who's selfless enough to go, I'm going to do what's for the good of the club, he's the guy of going. I find I, it's ridiculous. We used to be part of the EGM group. They've taken credit for things like the departure of Ned Guy. How do you feel about that? <laughs> That's what they accomplished. Oh, okay. well done. Well done. The, what, else, what else did they accomplish? Um, Nathan Buckley going. They get rid of him as well? They get rid of him. What about the Hindenburg? Do they Hindenburg, that? they, That's, that's flying they again? Um, we we're, were part of that group. I'm going to fucking speak openly because why not? Their cornerstones were, they must be neutral. Have they been neutral? I wouldn't have thought so. Well, they're openly endorsing Jeff Brown now, so they're definitely not neutral. Hence my I wouldn't have thought so comment. But not, I wouldn't. It's like, it's out of conviction. They're all <laughs> about democracy. They're all about democracy. Well, that's been restored, hasn't it? Or for one election. Well, that's a win. So, But I the mean, board's been spilled and we're voting for seven new positions, aren't we? Four. Well, hang on, wasn't the intent to spill Well, the that's board? another cornerstone, was all seven had to go. You mean it didn't work then? Well, I'm curious. I mean, how much do you actually attribute that? And, and they also, a big thing, and we were there for the speech, no backroom deals. And it seems there's quite a backroom deal that's gone in to hybridize the board. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. What effect do you think the EGM group, you know, we fucking started it. Um, so what, what effect do you think the EGM group had on the Collingwood political process and the evolution of the club since that game against Port Adelaide where we collected signatures? I can answer this with you. Like, yeah, I want to hear your opinion on this first. Okay, here's my opinion. I mean, like I said, we started it. We were there from the beginning. I was speaking to Richard Stromsky quite a bit, who wrote Kelf Collingwood, the Minister at Collingwood. When the club was shaken enough to reach out to David Hatley, aka Turtle, Richard Stromsky said to me, You have their attention now. You can now push your, you know, what you want in terms of change. You don't have to go through with this. Which was the stance that we yeah. agreed upon. And that was the extent of the EGM group's power and influence. And I know they'll claim they did all this other shit, they didn't. 
they had there was I can tell you there was no organisation there outside of David Hatley. He went and did things of himself, and then other people fell and helped support him. But once that happened, that was it. That was the lifespan of that group, um, and their usefulness. You seriously telling me that someone like Jeff Brown, who does have power and influence, really needed seven anonymous people who you know? Look, my name. You, you know who I am. I've written shit for the raw. My real name's there. So every, you know who he is. So we're not, you know who David Hatley is. So Top none, bloke. none of us are hiding behind, you know. No, we've, we've been vocal and... and we've been totally open. I've written about this openly. So we're not hiding behind masks. So Not anymore. No. Yeah, but we're not hiding behind some bloody mask. We are totally out in the open. And for me, that's when the usefulness, usefulness ended. Jeff Brown didn't really need anything from that point. Once the petition fell over, then, okay, what the hell did he need? He, he didn't need that group at all. They didn't get any of the four things they kept claiming they wanted. The, they were going to be neutral. They weren't. You can check the posts of people in that group, and you can tell who they are. They were all about democracy. Well, okay, you get one vote of four people. Um, do we get another one in three years? You haven't facilitated that, have you? That's what democracy is about, implementing that. And when you spill a dictatorship, it's not like to get one vote to get someone else in. No backroom deals, that happened, and all seven members are going to go. Did not happen. Um, so I think their usefulness came to a pretty abrupt end about five months ago. No, I think the process was a catalyst, but it, it eventually lost um, that capability to have momentum. It's like once things started kicking off in particular directions, it was out of that group's control. It's circumstance, I think, a lot of what happened this year. I wouldn't have guys was going to stand down last year. Yeah, so, and, and look, yeah, I think all the things that we originally agitated for at the start of the year came to fruition without any involvement from uh, or any action from within that, that group. Um, once <clears throat> we stepped away, we may not have been privy to some amazing changes but i didn't get any sense from any dialogue that i was reading that any great influence was happening but there was a fair bit of coattail jumping well once their petition fell over so another petition didn't come up i don't see that they pressured the club or anything like that i see that there was a lot of pressure from jeff brown um who was agitating for give me give me these positions or i'll spill the whole thing and he had enough angst that he could have went out and got another petition if he needed to. And that's forced the club, it seems, to have come to a compromise. Um, the thing that really frustrates me is a lot of the narrative that was going on, which were just outright outright lies from some of this group. What the stuff they were putting out there, were just like reading again. I totally know that's 100% untrue. And they kept pushing it without having actual information to or any evidence to verify what they were saying. And there were people in power, for want of a better word, who might have run message boards and just let that keep going. And I found that really fucking, really despicable. And censored a fair bit of content to the contrary. Yeah, you know, and I found that really... And I think there's a lot of um, valid questions out there that were censored off um, particular message boards. And I just want to say too that I had people who weren't involved with the group messaging me and saying, what is this being said? And they were sort of voicing their own displeasure at some of... You know, there was a narrative that going that was like Quarter was associated with the mob and shit like this. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, you're now going into slanders, you know, and this stuff was allowed to go on. And I think, like, if you actually read 
um, the tone, there were people who were sort of going, okay, (laughs) well, it was huge. And it was like, there were people who were thinking for themselves and just saying, look, we just want this thing over and fucking done with. So stop politicking. We'll find it. You know, we'll find our course our own way. You don't need to be pushing it. We're actually now pushing us away from what you're trying to champion. Um, but that really frustrated me. And it's something like where I look at it and think, I'm really annoyed that some of the narratives that are being pushed could have been clarified or even, you know, they could have gotten information that would have helped them walk away and make a better decision. Uh, better assessment but they didn't do they just ran with the fictions no the uh the, the narrative shifting was was it was particularly frustrating even beyond um the departure just to keep reading it being twisted to to suit that well that was frustrating yeah because you might talking about killing him so <laughs> no that's not entirely true um some of them but yeah there's clearly a very myopic viewpoint there that was just never gonna be, never going to be swayed by logical thought How's your relationship with those people now? I wouldn't know. How's your, how would your relationship be in the future? I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it'd be good. Um, but anyway, life goes on. Mostly. I, I'd say outright there's one of them who would really want to cross the road if you saw me. Seriously. Um, it's not uh, Hatley, is it? <laughs> Turtz is a great guy. Something happened there? No. no he's a great bloke. Turtz Top is bloke. a ripper. Top bloke. Didn't, didn't deserve all the shit that came his oh, way. Oh, definitely didn't. And didn't deserve to be hung out to dry by the group who just, you know, let crap fall his way or said things like he was paid or played, he was schmoozed and all this sort of shit, which is just fucking despicable shit. Which well, we're all, we're all guilty of that, though. It's not, not just Hately. <sighs> Hately, huh? <laughs> oh, that's how he was mispronounced on Channel yeah. 7. Um, no, we, we all copped a, a, some very subtle wax in uh, social media for uh, Mine won't for be the subtle. Stance. Uh, but anyway, that's life as well. Did, did you give a fuck at the end of the day? Oh, I didn't. I, look, I'll tell you why I gave a fuck, and this is why I get really passionate about this. No, about the, the comments on Twitter. No, no, but this is why I get a, give a fuck in general, is like... You have people making comments about me. You don't know what the fuck was going through my mind. I came to all of you and spoke to you and I could you I was open. I was speaking to everyone. I, I, I personally added everyone to that fucking group. You could have come to me and said, why have you taken this decision? I did speak to a couple of people who were wavering in that group. You could have come to me and no one did it. They were cowardly. They just slunk away and just behaved like, oh, there's nothing conspicuous about us not speaking to you at all anymore, but still pretending we're friends. Is like, you could have spoken to me, you didn't do it. I went away and I spoke to different people. Like, I did speak to Paul LeCurier. I did speak to Richard Stremsky. I spoke to Ben Johnson. I spoke to various people involved at the club. I spoke a lot to David Hatley and I went away and said, I have a lot more information. Now I'm making a new decision. It's not a fucking crime. Um, but there was people here going, I don't want any of that information because that might sway me. No, and that's it. It's, it's in direct conflict with my train of thought. Yeah. That was the, the underlying message. No, I think um, it, in like most things in life that you need to go out and be informed about uh, stuff. Though it's all, you were swayed though. We were swayed. We're schmoozed. We're schmoozed. But um, yeah, no, you couldn't possibly have actually been told the truth. And that's the, no. that's the frustrating thing is that you'll never, ever be believed well, that's the, the bad thing. The, I mean, potentially the reason why the mindset was changed, it wasn't that somebody uh, bought you out or, or 
yeah. painted your house or did some other shit. It's the fact that the truth, sometimes it's a hard thing to fucking hear, but when you process it, it makes you go into different directions. Yeah, and the other thing too is David Hartley, with his two meetings, he brought people because he wanted independent um, evaluation outside of his own perception. And when he went away, he, he was saying, okay, like this is what I got a sense of. And he changed his mind. And then I, when we went and spoke to him, like you came along and it was like, you were pretty cynical at that stage. I'd been speaking to Richard Stromsky. I was already starting to waver, if not wavered already. And then we, we both went away and said, okay, this is what we've heard. We've changed our view of what's going on. Gary did the same thing also. So there's four intelligent adults or reasonably intelligent adults who've all sort of gone through this process. Now, either we're all fucking all idiots because we're all, sh- we all schmoozed, and that's apparently the narrative on the push. Um, or maybe there was some merit to what we were hearing, you know? And that's what frustrates me. It's like, we put this on the table. We went out there and said, this is what we should all do. If you still feel the same way, go for it. But at least get, you know, at least hear it. And they didn't, and that's fine if that's what they want to push. You know, everyone still wants the best for Collingwood in the end. But, I mean, we talk about this a, a lot, and we'll go into it really quickly here. We were both pretty anti the board six, seven months ago. I would have thought that had been a fair statement to make. Yeah, and, and yeah, you can read my stuff on the raw. It's, it's <laughs> you, could, you could go back three or four years yeah. and hear our opinion. And then in the last six months, we've looked at the club and said, we actually like the way it's running. And there's a lot of people now coming to that uh, train yeah. of thought too. Yeah. And you have people, and this is what shits me, is you have people going... Great process to appoint McRae. Well done. I think we've got the right person. This board's fucking useless. Go. It's like, well, hang on. You can't say that and then attack them with that. And then there's shit that like, I, I still see this. Like some people get pushing this narrative. And like, oh, I was like this originally and I changed because I re-evaluated. It's like, oh, Quarter was there with the salary cap debacle. He signed off on it. He's guilty. And it's like, okay, that's, only true if Quarter was actually involved in seeing the salary cap. We don't know if he was. I mean, he's the head of finance, not the salary cap. Um, but the main thing there you got to look at is the salary cap wasn't a miscalculation. It wasn't someone going, oh, fuck, I missed the column on Excel. It was the device strategy to load up the list with as many good players as they could so they could attack a premiership. It didn't work. And, you know... They championed this strategy, which was spearheaded by the former president. It didn't work out. You can't then turn around and go, well, you signed off on this and you fucked up. It's like, well, hang on. That was actually a strategy that everyone agreed on that we're going to go forward with. But they're all implicit. But it's still just a strategy. No, but they're implicit. But it's not It's not actually... No, implicit. It's not... Implicit. It's not ineptitude. It was... I mean, I don't agree. I, I can't hear anything different to what I just I don't. I don't agree with the strategy, but like, it, you can't turn around and go, well, they're incompetent because that was like, well, hang on. It was not a miscalculation. It was a calculated risk. It was, again, I don't agree with the, that choice. I mean, the thing I look at, you know, is, look, for several years there, we've all been going, this board's fucked. And the last six months, we've been going, this is a pretty good board. Now, what's changed in that board? Who has gone from that board who's no longer there and that board seems to be functioning a lot more harmoniously and productively I wonder no but they're all implicit they're all weak minded individuals who should have stood up to this 28 years ago well geez, doesn't that say about something about themselves <laughs> but that's the thing I mean I, I think um, 
Look, I, 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 we've said it all the way through. I, I don't think Mark Corder was ever going to survive this. No. Um, the, that, that die was well and truly cast. Um, however, I think the rest of the board have functioned at an incredibly well level for the, for the, for the, yeah, the six months. In terms of you look at the club and for cynical people like you to, to look and think, things oh, actually... I'm the most cynical too. This is the direction I I want them to be taking. These are the things and the changes being implemented that I that I want to be seeing um, from the club. And now it's gone back to the Brown camp coming in. Um, when things were looking good, I'm not sure what it exactly is that they're coming in to fix because they haven't said anything about it. Any of the, the new... There are the two things I think you can take out of the, um, the the people coming in. is One, they love the club, and two, my CV is really good. I would have thought that's probably the cornerstone of most of the board and the previous uh, thing. And the, the, the Bridie O'Donnell thing was a, was a, was a cock-up. Um, you know, the thing is, I would imagine that those mistakes were made, they've been called out, they would have been fixed if, if none of this had changed. I think don't think that any of this stuff would have happened again, which still meant you would have probably had a functional entity moving forward that was doing good things and would have probably continued to do good things. I don't know. I'm only speculating. But it was feeling good. Now I'm seeing or I'm feeling me personally that there's you know, uncertainty coming back in. This may be the greatest board coming online we've ever seen. But then again, I don't know because I don't know what it is that any of these people are standing for other than the fact that they love the club and they've got a good CV. Oh, the... Problem now if the price... What, what, what problems is, is glaringly obvious that needs to be fixed? Jordan Degoe. Apart from Jordan Degoe, what glaringly obvious problems need to be Look, fixed? I'll go back six months. I was very critical of Corder, and especially the way he handled himself in the press and the little P president and all that sort of shit. As time has gone on, I flipped. Gone is exactly what I want. I want a low-key... Well, he bought, he bought you a house. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, he, um, he's brought a low-key approach. He's not the center of focus. There's a lot of times he's been attacked. He hasn't gone to the media like someone else would have. It's like, I'm sort of looking at game. That's what I want. He just doesn't crave the limelight or anything like that. And the things he gets criticized for, like one of the major things he got criticized for was the uh, his performance at the press conference when McRae was announced coach. It's like, oh, gee, see him? Yeah, he bumbled and blah, blah, blah. It's like, why does he need to be fucking eloquent to be a good president? You know? That's not part of the job description. So who gives a fuck if he's not a media polished performer? That's not his. That's not the job you've employed him for. He's got to be doing that stuff for, not fucking talking well in front of the camera. It's like saying some tennis player can't be number one because they don't give a good interview. Who gives a fuck, really? I think though. I understand though. Like I, I do appreciate that he's been there a long time and you want change and all that. But I'm no, saying now as we go but on. But I think the I've, I've flipped on that too. That external presentation, it's, a, it's more a confidence thing for the masses, that if you don't present well in today's media, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah, but that's, again, that's a misperception of the masses. I understand where it's coming from. That's their inference. But it just seems a ridiculous criticism to, you know, again, it's not a qualification of what he needs to be doing. No, uh, and I'm not saying I'm in president for 24 years or anything. I'm just, as time has gone, I've looked at it and gone, you know, that's actually working well. And I know that I've seen people, certain people, I won't fucking mention who they are, but I've seen, I've seen certain people criticize other members of that board, um, denigrate them, and then attribute, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to call it, but misperformance or whatever you want to call it, bad decisions to them where I'm looking at, I totally know that's fucking wrong. 
And I know that's wrong from several sources. Like, I haven't been schmoozed into believing it. You know fuck all, but you're pushing it because you're a loudmouth fucking braggart who is going to live and die on this hill. And that's what shits me. It goes back to, again, that maybe you should have gotten a bit better informed. You didn't. And they'll claim their own form. They'll, they'll fucking champion it. But it's like, yeah, I know for a fact they aren't. And I know for a fact too, this is the other thing I'm just going to actually bring up really quickly. I know for a fact, like when we spoke to Lecuria and Ben Johnson, I know for a fact later on, another member of that group, not David Hatley or um, Gary, sought out an audience with Paul Lecuria. And that happened and it was going to occur for who knows for what reason because by that time we'd split away from the group. But then the lockdowns happened and just, that was in, bang. We're all locked into our fucking houses for the next six months. But that sort of I found interesting that there was someone who was a pretty key member of that group who was now seeking an audience. And it was like, was he telling him that he was going to talk to Lecuria? I mean, I when I made the meeting with Lecuria, I did that in front of the whole group. I said to David Hatley, yes, tell him I want to speak to him. Did this guy do it? Was it what was his agenda here? I don't know. Was it a good agenda? Was it a bad agenda? Who knows? <laughs> uh, the penny just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what frustrates me. And, and like everyone wants the best of Colin, but like again, I think this club has been so full of shit for so fucking long. And you know The last six months I actually liked it was not full of shit. And there was times that, like I said, they were getting attacked and they just shut up and put their heads down. And it was great. And I really worry about what's coming in. And what's happening now is you're getting, you're voting in four members. Who you, how do you know you're voting in four members that are all going to complement the existing three and have seven members who complement one another? How do you know you're not going to vote in two of the same people? So you've got fucking like a redundant person there as it is. Um, you don't. Oh, I'm sure when Eddie gets back in two years' time, he'll fix it all. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, no, I mean, look, I, I think the masses, and that's the Collingwood sheep family of sheep that look like sheep, um, need to get away from the fact that it's just this incessant burning they need to point the finger of blame of someone for everything that's happened. Now, Court has been guilty from what I'm reading on social media, on 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 internet boards over the last twelve months of everything. Um, yeah, if this person was so glaringly fucked up, why wasn't this flagged at any point before Christmas this year, oh, last no. year? Um, it just becomes that like, people channel their rage and 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 their distrust and everything onto one particular um, point, and that's it. And I think that's ultimately what what doomed the person. But I still can't reconcile that you've had it now probably demonstrated with the, um, the, the coaching appointment um, that was universally lauded as a, as a supreme move. The trade period, which we'll get on to. The trade period was, was fantastic. Was that all done in defiance of quarter? Or did they just all get together and say, oh, it maybe all, it's time to do things all right? right? It was all going right. It was all going right. Here's the only but anyway, thing. They're all guilty anyway by past association, so it's irrelevant whatever we think. Ah, oh, well... And, you know, look, voting come, the AGM is going to reflect that. But, you know, it's that whole thing of careful what you wish for. Oh, and I'll, just before we move on, I'll say this. You know what you are if you don't seek more information or there's a lot more information, but you keep making the same decision. You know what the fuck you are? Dan Andrews. <laughs> List management. Don't I get to call him a I'm not that. Um, <laughs> List management. Josh Thomas retired. Are you shocked? 
Do I remember that? Um, no, I wasn't shocked. I think um, the writing was clearly on the wall for him. Um, so, yeah, no shock there whatsoever. Um, thanks for your service. Yeah, I thought he might actually play this year. I thought he, he had the VAT sort of rolled at Tarkin like he had in 210 and, and Joe Blair in his last year where he'd predominantly be playing VFL, but they'd give him like seven, eight games. He'd be the short-notice emergency. He'd be the, the medical sub. You just use him sparingly rather than risking a kid's development. So I thought that he might get you get might get another year out of him, but apparently not. Braden Syatt delisted. What a waste of talent. That 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 one annoys me. Um, but you know what? If you don't have the the headspace to want to apply yourself in the field that you're exceptionally good at, no power on earth is probably going to persuade you. Right. So I think at that one you had to cut the cord. His initials are cut the corder. His initials are BS. Um, you don't think we should have kept him on for another year? But what are you... You're doing that at the expense of the development of somebody else for someone who's probably not going to do anything more than what they've not done. So, I mean, that's the question really I'm asking. Do you? That was it. You think that was his ceiling? There was never going to be anything more than that? I think so. I think the... And I look, I can't speak on half of um, a, a flyer or anything like that, but I think clearly this rebuild is, is going to be from the ground up. And no passengers, thanks, should be the message. Or it's probably going to be the message. Yeah, I look, um, I agree. Yeah, that, I mean, I think he's the sort of player to, if let's say Essendon picked him up. He'd do exceptionally well on a functional side. I don't think he would. Um, do? I think he'd have one really good year and then he'd just nosedive again. I think, like 218, it was his zenith and it was like, okay, how easy is this? And then just bang. And I think he's the sort of player that, you know, if a change of environment would reinvigorate him and focus him short term, but then he'd just fall away. And he'll be one of those guys at 35, 36, Yeah, well, maybe. But but if you got a taste of of success and you had that um, sort of culture around you, I think it could lift him. The reason I don't think a a good side would really lift him is because he is the engine room for a midfield. He's the first dibs position. Mm-hmm. So he's not like, a, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but someone like still side bottom in a good side would be a gun because he'd be fed the ball, he could stay on the outside, he could be a finisher. He'd be appreciated by a good side. Sire is in the middle, whether he's in a good side or a shit side, he is there at the coal face. So I don't think a good side would change him long term. Like I said, I think he'd have one good season. Um, and I think at 35, 40, he'll turn around and go, I should Done a lot more with that. I should have been a contender. It could have been something. Uh, Jay Rantel, were you surprised that he was delisted? No. Well, that sums that up. No, I mean, he was struggling to get in, and when he did get in, he really didn't do much. So he was our first pick at about pick 48 or something, wasn't he? Yeah, my only surprise there is I mean, it's, it's because of the COVID situation, he really probably didn't play a lot. Uh, yeah, but I guess they they you, you're working with someone for, for what? Two years was he on the list? Two, three years? Oh, I don't know anymore. We've been locked down for four You years. must have a reasonable handle on, on whether you think someone's going to make it. No, you'd hope so. Uh, and we picked up Nathan Kruger from Geelong. Freddie? Yep. Yeah, he's uh, potentially going to be uh, playing up front at the start of the season or the Mickey Mouse Cup or whatever it is we do. So he's hopefully there to cure some of the uh, Ford Line ills. And Lipinski. Patrick Lipinski. Lipinski file. 
He's from Bulldogs, Bulldogs. wasn't he? He so. couldn't get in. I mean, ironically, by Trelaw going there, probably pushed him out of the spot. So maybe it was a strategy by the club. Perhaps Lipinski playing a long game here. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, well, um, good luck. I don't really know that much about him, do you? No, I know nothing about him. I've heard everything from he's a solid B grader to he's a Trelaw upgrade. <laughs> Yes, I have heard that, that. That covers both ends of the spectrum then. Yeah. Now, in terms of the list, so I've compiled this comparison, which I'll... Do I need to get my copy? Yeah, but I'll put it up here on the screen for people to oh, look at. Oh, yeah, at. I'll do it. Don't worry, they're not seeing that because I've got a graphic up right now. Oh, it's now. upside down. i still got a graphic up right now, so they're not seeing <laughs> that joke. Um, so I've just compared it with the 2010 Premiership side because that would be the peak of development you do realise, like, when I edit this, there's going to be a graphic over you doing my shit. <laughs> um, there's going to... Uh, so, I compared it to the 2010 Premiership side, because that's where we want to get to. When they win the flag. And that was a relatively young squad. Everyone sort of... I think it's the second youngest side to win the Premiership. And just when you look at that squad... So, you look through it really quickly. Luke Ball, 2. Dale Thomas, pick 2. Didak, pick 3. Brown, pick 5. Pen- uh, Pendlebury, pick 5. Reed pick 8. Side bottom pick 11, Nathan Brown pick 10. So You can see the value of early picks, isn't it? Yeah. So and when you, you don't fuck them up. Yeah. So you can say like, oh, okay, Lee Brown didn't really play with the potential of a pick five, but then you have guys Not later... Not until he came to us. Oh, he, he was a very solid player, but I wouldn't say he was a top 10 pick, but then you have guys like Heath Shaw and Dane Swan and Travis Cloak, who you'd consider like top 10 picks ultimately. So you've got like eight, nine top 10 pick players there. Um, ben Reid, in those couple of years, he was a totally a top 10 pick. I mean, injuries really brought him down. So you had a really good uh, nucleus of elite talent. And then even guys who came from the rookie list, like Tuvi and the Heritor, apologize for mispronounce that, Lumumba, um, they had elite qualities to their defending. And then you have, you know, other guys like Ben Johnson and, you know, Dawes and all that, who are really good role players. And then you, know, you have sort of players like um, Leon Davis, obviously a, real, you know, a gun player on his day. Uh, Dane Beam, as he was still young then, but you could see he had something about him. Side bottom, you could see he had something about him. So there was a lot of top-end talent, and the guys who weren't top-end talent, they all had sort of a elite quality about their game. No one was like just a really competent at everything, but lacking that vital killer skill. Um, you compare it to the list now, you can see there's just a dearth of top 10 players. So you have Nick Dacos will come in, whatever we pick him, it'll be two or three, you imagine. Hoskin will at pick four. The Goey, if he stays at pick five. Pendlebury will exclude. Darcy Moore at pick nine. So you have like three top 10 players in that. Yep. Um, there's probably a few others, like, I mean, Brody Grundy, if he reaches that, you know, the, the best of his form, he'll be a top 10 pick, you'd consider him. Uh, Isaac Quaynor is someone like that. But that's pretty much it. You really don't have a lot else there that you could say he's elite. Now, guys like Ollie Henry, Finley McRae, you know, Poulter, all that, someone might come out of that block. But right now, it shows the lack of top end quality. And, if you look at that list, there's a lot of low mid-range picks. Mm. And it looks typically like a Collingwood list build of, we've got a lot of good battling players, a lot of good fighters, but 
we're only going to have a sprinkling of champions at the top, which is typically what Collingwood assembles when they've made grand finals 2010 inside, which I think was a really the best side I've seen at, and the best squad I've seen at Collingwood. You know, this is very much like a Hafey side where you got a lot of sort of problematic players. And you also got to look at it from the point of view that, you know, Pendlebury is 34. So how much longer is going to be there? Sidebottom is 31. The thing with Sidebottom is maybe the change of coach will rejuvenate him. But if he is to have another bad year this year, that would be it, you'd think. You'd think McCray would go, well, it's game's past you. Yeah. You know, Ruffhead's 31, House 31, Mason Cox is 31, Jamie Elliott is 29, Mychek's 29, Crispin Magden at 28, Taylor Adams is 28. So it's a pretty old top end, and it could really... Grundy's 28 too. I mean, it, it really only feels like he got there five minutes ago. Well, he's been there for about 100 years yeah. too. Yeah. Um, it just, it's a really uneven side in terms of the age profile. You've got to start somewhere, though, with the limited yeah. hands that we had. This is the problem, is the limited hands. So you go back to that, which I often do, the 206 to 210 rebuild, where you had guys like Nathan Buckley, Scott Burns, Anthony Rocker, James Clement. He'd consider all elite talent on the way out. And he had some really good players like, you know, Lecuria and O'Brien and all that, who were also on the way out. But then you were bringing in guys like Daisy at pick two, Pendle at pick five, Pendle at pick five, Reed and Brown pick eight ten, um, and then you had guys like Cloak and Swan and Heater who were sort of pick ten, top ten equivalents. So you had a lot of talent coming in to transition from the players going out. You don't have that now, and obviously it's still, we're at the beginning of a rebuild. But the worry for me would be, look, we're going to assemble a really good battling side and it's just not going to be good enough. You look at sides that have won flags. And again, the top end is just elite. This is where last year's draft really is going to be so pivotal to their build. You know, are guys like Reef McInnes, yeah. Finley McCrane, like they're going to be just players or they we're going to have found something there? I think the thing that's going to work in their benefit, and even probably for the for the draftees this year, is the, is the absence of a fucking hardcore second-tier um, proving ground is really making everyone essentially on even ground. You really don't know amongst all this because they've had limited development away from training and no real match development. All these guys could be guns or they could be duds, but you could say that for a lot of, of players at the moment. I think you've... Look, in some respects, I don't think our rebuild really commences until next year because we've just like just done the Avengers Assemble component now. With what we could do, we've done what we think is the best possible outcome. Yeah. But this is a proving ground. It's the Whitman Sampler list. We're, we're going to have... We've had this year as an example of, you know, we've got a few kids in there with some good abilities. You want to see this year as the next tier of development. You want to see them improve. And I think if they start improving, then you may put ticks next to them and say, I think we may have um, not drafted judiciously, but we've made the best of a situation. But now, once we bottom... Well, I don't think we're going to particularly finish anywhere other than down the arse end of the ladder next year. It is next year, isn't it, now? We're still in this year, depending on when you edit it and put this out. Um but I think once you get a handful, and we're not going to blow any picks and give them away or anything, depending on where we sit pick-wise, you can start looking. And we're, we're going to be sincerely hopeful that, that, that um, Nick Dacos is the, is the marquee player you're looking for. Yeah. But we're going to have to get more than one 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. And that's what I'm saying. And I think that's where or I'm saying the rebuild potentially starts when you get access to some really good key position players um, in the next draft, if there's some available. Well, see, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, theoretically, the rebuild began the moment they traded Trelaw and that out, and they said we need to get youth into this side. Um, but then they ended up with all these you know, picks from the 20s on with Ollie Henry and all that. You know, again, these, they might be champions, but like, you're not guaranteed that at that range. You only got one top 10 pick this year, unless somehow no one makes a bid on Dacos until we pick 38. <laughs> but, That's still irrelevant. Oh, if he just goes, means we get him cheaper. If he goes to pick 38, we'll just use pick 38 on him or whatever the hell we got down there. But no one's going to do that. So, and the thing you got to go back to is in 06, they had the priority picks. So they had two top or two top five picks. And then, um, oh, sorry, that was the year before. And then 206, they had the one pick and they traded Chris Tarrant and then got another pick in the top 10. And they really set themselves up with Reed and Brown and they already had Cloak there. And then they later picked up Dawes and they had John Anthony there. So that, and they had Rocker there to, you know, help guide Cloak through and all that. That's my problem right now is that if you look back to 206, 2010, there was a real great transition. It was very gradual. You are getting games into younger players while you were winning. And then when guys like Wakeland were leaving, guys like Nathan Brown just pretty much seamlessly stepped into that role and Ben Reed and all that sort of stuff. That's my issue now. It's like looking at the way the list is built. You're probably going to have a few really ugly years. You're going to get this talent in and it's all going to then be up to like, do we get these picks right? And that's the other thing. 206 to 2010, they got seven, eight picks mm. right, which, you know, their, their strike rate for their early picks was awesome. And then their strike rate for the rookies was really awesome. You know, you look at the rookies, it was, you know, uh, Blair, Lamumba, McCaffrey, Maxwell, Tuvi, Wallingham in that flag side. Um, that's six players in that flag side that were rookies. Mm. So, and then, you know, and again, going back to the other list, I mean, when they recruited, they picked up Jolly for pick 14. You can basically count him like a top 10 pick. This is my worry now is they don't have the currency right now to rebuild properly. No. And what's going to happen if they wait too long? Is it just going to be one of these things where you get this interminable um, Carlton rebuild type? Like you're just getting players in, but other players are leaving. So instead of actually building or you're getting injuries, sort of, instead of building, actually it's just staying here constantly. Yeah. yeah, look, I mean, look at it just, I mean, what you were talking about then. Um, you think back to the Ned Guy period, it was, it was the fire sale. You know, we, we, the Pfizer. The Pfizer sale. We, we dumped a lot of stuff. We got a whole bunch of um, second round picks and, and tried to capitalise on something. And you really sort of scratched your head about what was going on. I think the major difference this year is the way that the rights become involved. And you can see there's, there's a semblance of strategy evolving now. We're being deliberate in our actions. Now, I think one of the key outstanding things... Yeah, well, I think one of the key outstanding things for me this year was that we were fucking proactive right from DOT. Um, Collingwood in the past have traditionally just hung back until the end of the draft to just disappoint everyone or make some fucking mercy deal to to look like something happened. But we were very much on the front foot. I can't remember the last time we were that. No, it's probably the Tarrant. Yeah. Tarrant for... Yeah, how many years ago was that? But it, it just feels like that, that there's something unfolding here. And this gets back to some of the, the, the angst before about the fact that you know, we're agitating for change at the board. But these are fucking prime examples of where things are now looking good. They're moving in the right direction. You know? Like the appointment of rights being um, a godsend for the, 
for the club. And, Thank God for Eddie. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 just it's just one individual. But the whole machine is working in a in a it it, it feels like it's moving towards a purpose, and I don't want to see that disrupted. Oh, it's going to be the thing I actually really like, and I compare this all the time to you go back to '86. Um, 80, at the end of 82 the new Magpies took over they said they were going to buy all these players they are going to compete with all the clubs that are just recruiting and all that sort of shit and that turned out and by 86 Collingwood were financially so impoverished that the banks actually recommended you close your doors the banks were onto something the banks all dumb banks bad you know bad what Collingwood are, what do they know about pandemics <laughs> Well, what's the people running the state know? Um, but the thing is, I always felt that a humbling was a key component of the Collingwood rebuild. It was like, you are not as good as you fucking think you are. Just because you made some grand finals and lost them doesn't make you a no. great club. Now you're almost bankrupt. You're sitting on, on the bottom of the ladder. Shut the fuck up and do the hard work required to rebuild. And yep. Which is what they did over the next three years. And they got to 1990. And guess what happened? All the shit came back in. I think the same thing happened here. I think the backlash from the trade debacle with Stevenson, Trelaw and all that sort of stuff to the do better report on the way Eddie handled that to um, the supporter unrest because of the shit style of football we're playing to David Hatley led petition which showed the club which finally they came up and said you're not in the fucking good place you think you are. I think that was the same humbling experience. And from that, they just said, just put your fucking heads down and let's, and which is what they've done. And we're going to disrupt that. I think that's a really interesting thing with Collingwood is when they get a bit of a sense of ego, it just turns to shit. And that's my big concern right now. And I know people will say, oh no, it'll be fine and all that. Eddie came in with all the best intentions, you know, and... Did he love the club and have a good CV? I had a, he loved the club. Oh, that seems to be all you need, really. You know, all so, you need is love. Yeah, but that's my worry now. Is where does this go? Uh, I might be wrong. Jeff Brown might be brilliant. Could be. It's hard to judge when you say nothing. But according to all the people out there, that the um, you know, now that people can get to vote for it, it's up to the uh, the masses to decide. Because that seems to be a better way of doing it to let a, a bunch of sheep. Let me tell you like something. Us. The masses voted in Dan Andrews. <laughs> okay and probably will again yeah fuck's sake so that says a lot about where the mindset of uh, voters are at the moment so um, who knows what's going to happen come AGM time oh, I think, I think we know what's going to happen I come AGM time what's going to happen but yeah so look and look people agitate for change without even I mean the thing I find staggering amongst all this is you're going to vote for a whole bunch of people you've got no idea what their platform is what it is that they're standing for what it is they're going to fix what it is that they tend to improve other than bring um, their love of the club to the club and a good CV. And I'll say one thing, because they're really now just talking the Jeff Brown ticket. This is the Jeff Brown ticket. This is the people... It's not ticket versus ticket or anything, though. This is exactly what Richard Stremsky said six months ago. This is... If you go to an EGM, it'll become ticket versus ticket. It's exactly what he said it's going to happen. It's not the independents putting their hands up and saying, vote for me. It's, we, we've already assembled this ticket. All we're basically doing, what they're really doing is exactly what Eddie McGuire did for 23 years. It's like, here are the people I've brought on, ratify them at the AGM. We've got a little bit of a different process and going, yeah, here's the people we're putting on. Just vote for them. And then we're going to, you know, push them through to the committee. It's really not that different. The people who claim, hey, we've really enacted change, you haven't. 
you've probably enacted disruption ultimately. And the thing that really frightens me, and you know, I've said this from the beginning, is it really worries me. As I said earlier, Jeff Brown's the man who said, make me president, I'll burn you all down. That doesn't scare anyone because it scares the fuck out of me that that is exactly like another president at the club. And people go, no, that's not what's happening. Go look at, the, go look at it. He, he made the ultimatums to the club. Give us these positions. No. Okay, well, give us these positions or I'll go to an AGM. Because I want to be president. I want to be president. I want to be president. That's all it's been about. So don't tell me there's no fucking ego involved there. Oh, he'll bring good governance in though, won't he? Oh, he is might. He, the, might, he might be brilliant. Is that the key buzzword? Good governance? We need good governance? I mean, we would not have possibly have learned from the complete fuck-ups we made. But he'll come in and fix them now. I always say, take the ego out of Collingwood and get people in charge who... Peter Murphy is the man I've always said. And to me, he's proven... The quiet achievers. Yeah. You know, he's, he's standing down for the, self, you know, for the good of the club. Only person to do it. No one else yep. has done it. And in, in, in respects to um, giving the sheep the ability to vote, I'm happy with that too. But give them fucking some understanding of what it is they're voting for. Not an ideal. No, I'm... I really worry about the, where these clubs are going to go because... Oh, you know where it'll go. It's cyclic. That's why. That's why I'm worried about where it's going to go. This, to me, feels exactly like when Eddie Maguire came in with his... I think he came in with three other uh, administrators, um, which he ratified and pushed onto the board. Geez, not familiar at all, is it? Never happened before, has it? Um, and, you know, it turns to shit. So I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong. We really are. No, this is true. Anyway, any final thoughts? Uh, no, not really. I think we've uh, waffled uh, enough of your time. Yeah. It's good to be back on uh, um, the talk and picture box, though. Yeah. Fantastic. Hopefully no one said anything bad about Dan Andrews. They might get arrested. Oh, jeez. I mean, you don't have to say anything bad, do you? you just got to look the wrong way. Oh, well, it's just like that movie V for Vendetta now. He's just getting his superpowers in, you know, ratified, that's the word. Anyway, we'll be back sometime in the future, possibly for guest or two. In the future, where we all live. Later, catch. It's, it's like centimeters away. Give yourself a challenge. <laughs>